welcome to High Action. I'm Perry Smith. I'm Will Brom. I'm John Story, and together we're the New West Guitar Group. On today's episode of High Action, we're featuring Raul Midon. A special thanks to our Patreon members and our sponsors who make this podcast possible. For more information on High Action and how you can get involved, please visit www.newwestguitar.com slash highaction. Well, welcome everybody to episode 48 of High Action. Today we're talking about Raul Midon, wonderful guitar player and singer that I've known about for a really long time. And one of the first things that really stood out to me about his playing, whether it's solo or duo or in an ensemble, is his rhythm guitar playing and how much in the pocket it is and how good it feels. And I feel that that's such an important topic when you talk about our trio, the New West Guitar Group, because, you know, we're a drumless trio, we're a bassless trio, as long as our octave pedal isn't on. And we rely on solid rhythm guitar parts, whether it's one rhythm guitar part or two interlocking rhythm guitar parts. So it's only natural that I ask the right-hand wizard, Mr. John Story, about how his rhythm guitar playing in New West really gives a foundation of the pocket for this band? Well, yeah, for New West, you know, we've always talked about building these arrangements from the groove up and that the pocket, the, the, you know, really helps the flow. And then it also allows other players who might be playing more of lead lines or harmony lines to kind of participate in that too. I think a big part of our rhythm playing in this band is that even though one person's playing a rhythm part, there's always an element of us playing our parts more rhythmic to create the vibe that we're all contributing to that feel. And there's so many ways to do it. I think one of the best ways to experiment uh, experiment with rhythm guitar for guitarists out there is to experiment with how you can mute strings on the guitar and rest your right hand over the bridge, over the saddle to create less um, sustain with the strings because it'll help you cut back on your feedback if you're playing a jazz guitar. But also, when the strings are a little bit more dead, you get more of a percussive attack on the string. So that can be with a pick, and that can also be kind of with your thumb or with your fingers. And even if you do like a slap percussion type of thing with the palm of your hand into the strings. And then the left hand, if you kind of lift off when you're playing with the right hand and work in those those kind of terms together, then that creates this kind of muted effect, mm-hmm. which makes it sound more percussive. So yeah, it's fun. Like we, we do that a lot in New West. And then I find myself doing that a lot in a duo situation without a drummer. Um, or just even if I'm sitting here at home and in recording into my looper for myself to work on something, I'll practice that. And it's an excellent thing to practice with a drum machine or a metronome so that you're really settling into um, locking into the into the time feel. It can be a difficult kind of thing to practice with a drummer because a lot of times mm-hmm. it just kind of conflicts with what a drummer might be doing. So I don't find myself playing the same way in New West as I do in other uh, groups. And, you know, sometimes it's pretty, as we all know, I'm sure you guys would agree, Perry, I'm sure you'd agree too. It's like when we play with a drummer, sometimes it's just nice just to let go of having to hold down the groove and we can become more melodic and have more sustain and fill out more of the sound that way if we're playing in a rhythm, if we're playing with a rhythm section too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, you know, Raul has such great 
right-hand finger technique, which I think partially comes from his early classical training, but he's really turned it into his own thing where it's got this soulful R&B backbeat, funky. He'll go between single lines and be slapping the the body of the guitar to give kind of like a a conga feel. Um, Perry, talk about rhythm guitar playing with a Fender medium pick, right, where you're just strumming chords open, almost kind of like a pseudo flamenco type thing versus, you know, locking into some finger style rhythm guitar playing. Yeah, I think, you know, those, those require some different techniques, but the foundation of it is you want it to be solid. So it's kind of like what John's saying, whether you're using something more finesse with the fingers, whether you're really going at it with a medium, uh, medium pick that is, uh, it's got to be solid. You know, it has to have a, a foundation of groove in there. And that's a hard thing to practice. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing that you gain from experience. That's the trick with rhythm guitar. Is like you, it's, you practice it, yeah, definitely, but you really have to be out on the gig feeling how you lock in with a band to gain that experience on, on rhythm guitar. And certainly I found over the years using the Fender Medium is a really good pick uh, for like a strummy part, even for like, you know, more of like uh, an R&B part that you're getting down on like some sort of 335 or a Strat. Fender Medium is awesome for that. So if you're working on your rhythm guitar chops, yeah, pick yourself up, pick yourself up a Fender Medium. Definitely. So before we play that episode for you and want to remind you check us out on the new west guitar group patreon page we've got lots of fun videos coming up of material that we can guarantee that you've never heard before definitely want to remind you to stay tuned we've got um actually john why don't you take it over uh, why don't you tell our listeners about a certain concert we have coming up in August in Los Angeles. Sure. Yeah, August 12th, we will be Thursday night at Sam First Club, which is near LAX. Um, And uh, if you guys are interested in learning about all these shows that are coming up, I recommend drop us a line over at newwestguitar.com and uh, reach out to us. We'll put you on our little email list that we send out periodically. And don't forget that when you join us over at Patreon, um, you get some benefits about learning about some of our special concerts that we have. We have a few private gigs coming up as well in this in southern california we also have saturday august 14th the san jose jazz festival coming up that just got announced and we have an amazing musician joining us uh for that gig the great leah zager on vocals and violins so be sure to join us either at patreon or drop us a line on our website newestguitar.com and you can find out about all of our upcoming shows if you're out here on the west coast all right and without further ado here's episode 48 with raul midon Today on High Action, we have Raul Midon. Raul, thank you so much for being here and talking with us. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm a, I'm a huge admirer of your playing, of your music. And um, I first heard you in 2010 or 11. Um, I first heard your song, Sitting in the Middle. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I played it on a friend's junior recital in college. Oh, wow. And so, you know, I learned the guitar part. And he's like, hey, can you sing harmonies with me? And the guitar part turned out all right, but 
the singing harmonies with him, not so much. So, you know, <laughs> well, um, singing and playing is a, is a thing you have to, uh, it takes, uh, a crazy amount of work. I, I always tell people, you know, like, you know, people say, Oh, you're, you're a genius being able to do that. And I'm like, not really. It's just work, you know? <laughs> well, it's amazing seeing, seeing you perform live and, you know, when you're singing, and interacting with yourself, the way you accompany yourself, you know, both with both hands on the guitar. Sometimes one of the hands is on a bongo or something. It's really yeah, astounding, yeah. man. It's 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 really funky too. I, I got to tell you, I mean, it really took a lot of work, and there was a there was a while when I would have to play it really slow, and there would be certain words that every time I'd come to that verse, I'd screw up you know, something, the guitar part or the bongo part, right. it, beca it becomes, it's like anything else that you do. It becomes second nature, but you got to do it. You got to practice it right. over and over again. There's no shortcut really to that. So when I hear your music, I hear a lot of direct lineage to, you know, George Benson, Al Jarreau, people yeah. that I know you've worked with, you know, in... Yeah. And I'm wondering if we can start at the beginning when you first got your guitar at age six, I believe. And what, what gave you the bug? Um, I mean, I think I just always was interested in music and the guitar was in the house. So that's what I learned. You know, I had a little guitar. It was a, it was a little, uh, I think it was, a, it was called a Kent K-E-N-T, and it was a tiny little guitar. It wasn't a requinto, it was a regular guitar, but it was really small, you know, um, kind of a small nylon string guitar, and that's kind of, and then my father owned a flamenco restaurant, uh, or a restaurant that, that featured flamenco in the summertime, so, you know, when I was five and six years old, I was already interacting with all these gypsies, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I started taking lessons with the guy who, who played guitar in the show. You know, that's how I started. So what was it like growing up in New Mexico? And, you know, I imagine you were listening to a lot of records growing up. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. I I mean, it was, it was really, uh, you know, you had to entertain yourself. You know, I mean, when I think about all the choices we have now, um, I mean, the Netflix and the you know, Amazons and the just, you know, do this, play that. I mean, just the, the, the amount of choices we have, you know, I lived in the middle of nowhere and uh, we didn't even have TV at, at a lot of points because you couldn't get TV stations out there. It was too far. Um, we were looking that up. You were, bo you were born in Embudo, New Mexico, yes. right? Yeah. 250 population, I think. And they actually have a radio station now, which is freaky. There's a library there, and they have a little community radio station at, at Embudo, which is just, it just freaks me out. Because if I was there, I think I would do a show on there, you know. So your, your father's Argentinian, correct? Yeah. So how did all of that, that cultural influence and musical influence, how did that pour into you as a child getting into music? I mean, it was everywhere. My... My dad had records, record collection, and so, you know, we were listening to music all the time, and I think the first music that I fell in love with was actually Argentine folk music. Um, so we're talking about some 
fairly, if, at least for Americans, fairly unknown, you know, people like Atahualpa Yupanqui, Eduardo Falú, guitarists, by the way, really good guitar players. Um, Any Piazzolla in the mix? Yeah, Piazzolla was later, though. That's tango. That's That was much later. Uh, this is the folk. In, in other words, the tango is the city music of Argentina, mm-hmm. uh, of Buenos Aires. And the folk music is, you know, like um, the the music of the country. And so it has uh, a lot of guitar, a lot of uh, charango, which is a 10-string mm-hmm. instrument originally made from an armadillo, and bombo, which is this big drum that you hang on, on your shoulder and you play with a kind of a, a couple of mallets sort of things. And you basically started studying inside the realm of classical and flamenco, correct? Right. You, so right. what was that like? It was interesting because I learned a lot, but I, I learned by rote. Um, so when I learned a classical piece, you know, like he would play it and then he would kind of tell me I'm putting my first finger on the second fret, third string, and, you know, and, and I would listen to it and kind of learn it that way. But in, in, in some ways, I wasn't learning music as a, the, the tools of music. In other words, you know, what is this chord? What is that chord? Um, so I learned a, a lot, lot of music and I learned a lot of technique on the guitar mm-hmm. without really knowing any theory, you know. So who were some of the early players that were really inspiring you when you were getting started that got you really excited about, about continuing guitar? Uh, well, at first I was into the flamenco guys because that's how I learned. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I was into uh, Sabicas, you know, at the time in the 70s. Uh, I was into Jose Feliciano. I was into Santana, mm-hmm. um, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, and, and and I was into the the guys that I mentioned the 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 folk guys you know, and then uh, later I started getting into uh, Paco de Lucia, and then I started getting into like you know Demiola, and uh, and then of course uh, John Schofield and Pat Metheny, and and uh, uh, one of the big influences for me was a, a guy named Lenny Bro. Man, I mean, he was a magician on the guitar. Uh, you know, that's where I really learned about about harmonics and doing whatever you want to call them, false harmonics, or, you know, taking a chord and doing a, a harmonic with the chord. So you're not just limited to the harmonics that are naturally on the guitar, you know, the open string harmonics. But you can do a harmonic, you can take any chord and take one of the notes up an octave and then all of a sudden you've got this cluster kind of voicing that would be impossible to actually finger on the guitar. Right. Getting all those overtones. Do you remember your first performance that you did? Mm, not really. I mean, I think, you know, I started to just sing and play for people ever since I was five. You know, I would bang on a table and sing for people and stuff, you know. Uh, and I, I played a lot of drums, a lot of percussion uh, at, at the beginning, even before guitar, I think I was banging on, cause, you know, we had a kind of a hippie household in the 70s, so there were bongos and stuff around, you know. Today's episode of High Action is sponsored by Jeff Traugott Guitars. 
Jeff is a luthier based in Santa Cruz, California, and he brings an incredible quality of artistry and craftsmanship to the acoustic guitar. He only builds about 12 guitars a year, and he develops a very close relationship with each one of his customers. Together, he focuses on the tone and the playability that you want from the acoustic guitar. Here's a recording of me playing my Trigot acoustic. The playability is amazing, the tone is rich, so for more information, check out trialguitars.com. Did you feel a connection towards wanting to perform for people? Did it feel like something that was drawing you in? Yeah, it was never really <clears throat> much of an issue. Like, of course, I I have stage fright sometimes, but not that much. <laughs> and it's funny because I'm still kind of a shy person, but not when it comes to performing. Like, you know, socially, I was a very shy person for a long time. Um, but you know, I was always ready for, it was, it was kind of the way that I could express myself. I mean, there was a lot of other, you know, being a blind person is tough. I mm -hmm. mean, it just is, you're not, you don't fit in You're, you know, you, you, you have things you can't do and people, uh, think of you in weird ways and, you know, it has all kinds of sort of implications. And so music was kind of my way of, you know, of doing something that people liked or that people w paid attention to made me look cool, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, I, I watch you perform and I mean, it's, first of all, it sounds amazing. It's so groovy. And I think about, you know, if I were performing and I take the visual aspect out, I would feel overwhelmed in a lot of ways if all of a sudden I'm not able to see what I'm doing. But right. I also think about, you know, when any musician is, in the zone and playing with musicians live and really feeling something, quite often their eyes are closed if they're really just trying to tune in to what's going on. So we're trying to reach that that zone of eliminating the visual sense and just living in the... I agree, but I will say that I think seeing is an advantage as, sure. a, as a guitar player because obviously, if you're reading music, obviously, but, but even... Not even like, um, you know, big jumps, you know, yeah. you can glance over and look at the dots and, 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 and make a, a judgment, you know, and I think for a blind person, you don't have that. So, um, for instance, I always count mm -hmm. when I'm going to play state of mind, just to make sure that I'm going to, especially if I'm playing with a band, mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to start out in the wrong key. And I've done that before. Sure. <laughs> sure you know like you you just you know you just you pick up the guitar and you don't think about it and you boom and you're like oh half step off whoops yeah 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 and 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 i think you know for a blind person you have to be more aware of that because you don't have that extra um you know that that extra uh, data to mm -hmm. to tell you where you are on the guitar so you know i do a lot of um practicing of of uh jumps and um, it, it's a sort of constant thing for me. And it's also kind of informed the way I think about playing over changes and stuff. So mm -hmm. I don't know if, if, um, if you guys have checked out this whole, I have a whole approach to giant steps that I, that I sort of came up with that has to do with 
learning the the different key changes in every position. Mm-hmm. So, for example, for example, just just to to give you an example. So, let's say playing playing and and doing it in every key. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, I I take giant steps through the cycle of fourths every day, and I right. go through all the keys. I play it in B, then E, then A, then D, then G, Man. F, B flat, E flat, A flat, D flat, G flat. So, and what and what it does is so. Let's say you're playing the first two five uh, is a two five in the key of B, right? So, if 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 you let's just just for the sake of of this thing, you're gonna be playing. That B, let me let me make sure that I see. So every scale can be broken down into seven positions on the guitar, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. So so the first um the first two five you're in the key of B major. So actually let's do it this way. Let's do the B so it's not confusing. So I'm gonna start out in the B position, which is one three five seventh seventh position on the guitar playing the b uh starting on that on that um e string right mm-hmm. so this is the the first the first uh change of giant steps is b right and then the next change we're going to d to g to to G major seven, right? D seven to G major seven. Mm-hmm. So, if if you if you think about it, that now we're in the key of G, but I can stay here in the in this seventh position, and I can play B Phrygian. So here's and here's so here are the first two changes, right? Right. right now, right. Th- then the next change, right? B flat to E flat, B flat seven to E flat uh, major seven, right? So if you, so you got two choices here. You can go down and play B flat mixolydian because it is we're, we're in the key of E flat. So mixolydian is the fifth uh, mode of of E flat. So I didn't move at all, and I just played the the, the whole thing single position right that and 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 so forth and then you know uh then you're back in g back in back in g major Because I've played it in every key in every position, so at, at, after a while, not only do you know the fingering, but you hear it because you're always playing the right notes. And for the for the listeners who aren't who aren't being fortunate enough to watch Raúl, what he's doing, basically he's playing through a set of, these set of changes in a single position of the neck without shifting his fingers around. Raúl, I'm I love getting into the weeds and this stuff with you because 
that's, you know, that's the same stuff we're all shedding is like just trying to be able to navigate changes in one position and create linear lines up and down rather than position shift, position shift. Right. And and what the cool thing is, is once you've done that with all the positions, then if you decide you want to change position because you want a different sound or, or whatever, then you can do it comfortably, you know. Right, so I, I I I moved all around that time, but and 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 so it, it's weird because in a way, it's it's almost left brain right brain kind of thing. Like you could one of the other things I do sometimes is play it on one string, so wow. then it's all about your ears at that point. <laughs> Man, because because you know you're not you can't think about positions and oh this scale here and that scale there. It's all about you know. That's one string. But but the other thing that it does is it makes it possible to sing it. And I don't mean sing a worked out solo. So a lot of people do that. I've I've seen that on YouTube where the, the and it's impressive. Don't get me wrong. I'm not putting it down. The lady sings Coltrane solo note for note. It's pretty cool. But even cooler, I think, is to be able to sing it and sing and 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 not sing a worked out solo, just just to hear it. And so forth, right? Ah, come on! So killing, man. And so forth. But but so but here's the thing: once you know the intervals, key makes no freaking difference. No difference whatsoever. I mean, obviously, you can't. I mean, you know, depending on your range, you can't sing exactly the same stuff in every key. But as far as like the being able to do it makes no difference because the, the relationships are the same. See what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah. man. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing how you can, again, yeah, the intervals, and that's something that's super beneficial about guitar is how intervallic it is. Yes. And like you said, transposable, like, you know, going from the key of G to G sharp, the shapes are there and you can feel, Absolutely. feel music in shapes. And it's a very unique thing to guitar. Right. I mean, I think the difference between, let's say, uh, F and B is, is something, because you're uh, dealing with different sets of strings at that point. But the difference between F and G flat, you know. So as you were just, you know, singing lines over giant steps, transposing up and forth, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about how did you develop such a great connection between your voice and the physical 
aspect of playing an instrument, whether it's guitar or bongos or whatever? Well, I mean, it's having it in your hands and doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and I always had, you know, sort of a double mission of, mm -hmm. of singing a song, which is a different thing, where, you know, you're telling a story and you're trying to get uh, an emotional connection. But also... Um, you know, thinking of the voice as a, as a musical, as as a musician, mm -hmm. which is which is different. And, and I mean, you can sing a song and and be a pretty good singer, and not necessarily be a musician, right? In, in the sense of of knowing you know chords and and scales and stuff like that. So I've always been into both, and and more and for a while more into the music than the. <laughs> Than the other thing and, and kind of came around to, hey, you know, like you're singing a song. It's not all about the the voice and the pretty. It's also about, you know, what you're saying, you know. Actually, this is perfect. It's leading me into wanting to spin one of your songs sitting in the middle here. This was from State of Mind. Destiny, feeling is believing, and I'm feeling fine. Fine, despite the things I know, there is no place I'd rather go or be. Here is my destiny, and now's the time for sitting in the middle of the ones I love. Nothing else matters. Sitting in the middle of the ones I love, surrounded by the light. Sitting in the middle of the ones I love. Nothing can shatter. Sitting in the middle of the ones I love, surrounded by these city streets so full of noise, where people walk around with style and poise. And every now and then is all the time. All the time is all the same to me. My mind is just a picture frame, you see. And we are only passing through. That's why I'm. Sitting in the middle of the ones I love Nothing else matters Sitting in the middle of the ones I love Surrounded by the light Sitting in the middle of the ones I love Nothing can shatter This notion in my mind That all we do Will fade away in time But I'll remember you Wow, that's amazing. Raul, it's so great to have you with us today, man. It's John Story speaking here. And um, dude, I'm just sitting here just just in awe, man. It's it's so great to have you. And uh, we got to hang in 2010 when you were out here to play Royce Hall with Luciana Sosa. And, um, oh, in L.A. Yeah, I, uh, Jeff Traugott and I came by the W Hotel and we played some guitars. And oh, we my God. That was, yeah, that was when I... Huh? I decided to get a trial god. Yep, and you and I played Summertime or a standard like that. I remember we were hanging, and I had just took delivery of my Model R, which I still have. And I remember you playing the long scale that he had and the uh, the shorter scale. And that was my first time getting to meet you in person, man. I was a bit starstruck because I've always been such a fan uh, of yours, man. But that was a fun memory, getting to hang with Traugott. And uh, I remember you played like four or five chords on that guitar. And you were like, Jeff, that's it. I got to have one. <laughs> I, yeah. And, you know, my, my wife was, was looking it up and like, holy crap, we can't yeah. afford that. Yeah, that's right. And Jeff was like, don't look at the price. Don't 
don't look, look the at the price. price. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, but yeah, man, th- those were, that was a great memory. And one of the things that struck me when I saw you, because I went to the concert with Lou and, um, uh, man, th- the way you connect to your audience is astounding. Like the vibe in the concert hall was like everyone was in their seats, literally wanting to get out and like almost dance. Like just what, what we're all listening to with that track. Cause I, I love that album too, but every track on that record to me, I just want to move to it, man. And I'm so curious if you have some tips for some of our listeners who are a lot, mostly guitarists. And as we're getting back out, as we're starting to perform again, thankfully getting to be in front of audiences once again, what are some of the ways that you kind of warm up for your shows to kind of get ready to get on stage and have that amazing stage presence? Is it something that just comes really naturally to you? Or is it something that you kind of, before you go on stage, you sort of gear up to like really connect to your audience? Because man, it's, it's pretty magical of a lot of guitar players i think you're one of the greatest out there in terms of connecting to your audience well you know part of it is just like for me and this is you know my thing is the more prepared i am the better i feel the more i'm i'm gonna be having fun and connecting with the audience the thing about connecting with the audience is if you're having fun you're taking them along with you yeah. And that's really all it is for me is just like if I if I'm playing something that I'm not sure about or something, then it's kind of like I'm, I go I, I go into my shell and I'm trying to, you know, do the thing when I'm playing when I'm comfortable, then I, you know, really connect and I can talk and, you know, tell stories and, you know, do do things that that connect. And, and it's really uh, kind of an interesting thing for me to think about because you know, not being able to see them, you know, I really kind of have to um, gauge every night, you know, what kind of audience I'm playing to. And it's not always an easy thing to do. Yeah. Uh, luckily, li- mostly now I'm playing to my fans. So it, it's, you know, it's a, a much easier thing to do. Yeah, I bet in the beginning that was a little weird sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I remember, actually, I remember playing in L.A., when I was starting out, I think it was at the hotel cafe or something like yep. that. Uh-huh. And, um, and everybody was talking and I'm playing and I'm like, you know, and, and I'm not like this normally, but I was just kind of, I was just kind of upset. And I was like, you know, what, what's up with it? You know, I'm, I'm here playing. Are you guys too cool to listen? What, what's, what's the deal? You know? And man, I, it was dead quiet after that for the there rest of the go. show. <laughs> that's that that's show them how it's done man well and yeah i saw you at kumba too and a couple years later after that this must have been 2013 i i saw you and um you reminded me a lot of how leo kotke is on stage because leo tells a lot of stories in between yeah. songs and he also leo has this amazing way of playing while he's talking and sometimes as a guitar yes. player i'm sitting there going like leo like just be quiet. I want to hear what you're playing. That's so killing on a guitar. But you too, man, like you have this really cool way of like, you're talking, telling stories and playing a little bit, man. I just hope our listeners here coming up as concerts come back and let's all stay tuned to your website for your tour dates, which um, might include Europe, as you were saying. And some- Yeah, there's a, it's a full tour in the fall. So I'm going to be all over the place starting in September. Uh, That's great. I, I might be uh, in the West Coast. I'm not sure yet, but I know I'm going to be in... Boston, Philly, New York, D.C., I think Chicago, uh, Minnesota. So we'll see what happens with the West Coast, too. 
But yeah, and you know our listeners are kind of all over the place, so it's great. You know, everyone should get out and check out your shows. So stay tuned to Raoul's website. And one of the last questions I have before passing it over to Perry, um, your tone with your right hand combining the percussive effect with the chord quality and the bass lines, man, it's 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 amazing. You know, because the percussion effects sound so great, but your chords are really clear. And I'm curious. I imagine that nail health is like a big deal and keeping your nails in good check. I'm, do you have Yeah, any- well, I, I actually have yeah. been, for years, I've been using uh, fake nails. I, I use, uh, uh, there used to be acrylic now, whatever the gel thing. So I use these gel nails. And mostly it's because when I want to play fast and light, I want to kind of have the same pick every night. Yep. You know, so like... Totally. You know, it's... it's I want to have the kind of the same angle, you know. Yeah. Um, I have to say that sometimes... Like when I was playing with, uh, with Lionel, sometimes I kind of... I kind of longed for that. He's, he does mostly flesh. And there's something about that. That's too, that's cool too, you know. Yeah. It's like it reminds me of like Joe Pass or Wes. You know, when you hear how they're playing, it's like yeah. There's so much of the flesh on there, but I've been experimenting with my nails because I'm recording a lot of steel string these days, and yeah, it's it's every day I'm finding myself for about ten minutes when I'm warming up, like filing. Just, oh yeah, no, the nail thing is never ending thing. <laughs> it's it's <right laughs> and it reminds well, me. Well, that's of- why I do. That's why I do the the thing. I, I do. Uh, yeah. You know, I do these damn uh, you know uh, gel nails. Yeah. You know. And all the times we've been on tour in New West, and we're all kind of getting our nails going because we're all doing some right hand stuff. We go to baggage claim. I pick up the bag and boink, I rip off one of my nails. I'm like, oh. well. We're not going to be able to play that song tonight, you guys, because I don't have a third nail right now. You know. Well, you know what? I mean, what I do is I, what what ends up happening to me is I end up going to some strange place in, yes. you know, Korea or someplace yes. to to get my nails done, and yeah. I have to bring somebody along to translate. Like, okay, I need it like this. I need the yeah. edges rounded and all this crap. You know, it's just. There's a legendary nail salon in LA that all the guitar players used to go to. And she has been doing guitar player nails for a long, long time. And when I was at USC, David Oaks, my teacher, who's a great classical guy, told me to go there because I was having nail. And where is that? It's in Koreatown. It's in Koreatown, actually. Yeah. What's it called? I can't remember. It's been a long time. I remember where it was in my mind. But, I wonder if it's uh, still there. It was hilarious because there's everybody else in there getting all their hair done and their nails and things. And then there's a seat yeah. there and she's like, okay, you go back there. And then she works on the nails. And David Oaks was like, see, what did I tell you? Yeah. you know? <laughs> so anyway, man, well, I would love to pass it over to my cohort, Perry Smith here. But man, again, I thank you so much, Raul. It's so fun to get to hang with you, dude. I, I thank you. Learn- I want to learn more about this nail salon for guitar players. I imagine that they only have the arm for the right side, right? Because we thing. don't have to worry about our right side. The left well, only in LA would you have that. that that's <laughs> crazy. That's, that's insane. Yeah, it's like, true. As far as I know, it was still around up till a couple of years ago. I mean, a lot of people talk about it, but yeah. Guitar yep. players. <laughs> we're such a strange breed of people. You know? Yes. We you are. shake our right hand and you feel a little nail on there, but you shake our left hand and you're not going to feel <laughs> it's just going right. to be flesh. Right. It's a strange little community. Well, Raul, it's it's Perry Smith here coming at you from Brooklyn, New York, and uh, it's just great to be part of this conversation. Thank you again for joining us on High Action. 
Uh, it's really a pleasure to talk with you. And uh, I uh, want to make sure to mention that the reason we're able to connect today is through Jeff Traugott. We've talked about him. Yes. He's a great luthier in Santa Cruz, California. And he's been a huge supporter of our group. Uh, our band's called the New West Guitar Group. And uh, Jeff has been a supporter of that band from the beginning because his nephew, Brady, used to be an yes. original member in the group. And so we felt uh, extremely honored to be able to play his guitars from a really early age. And let's just take a quick second just to talk about these instruments and, and how uh, they really bring our music to life. Uh, they're not like your regular acoustic guitar. No, about no. Guitars that resonate and sing, and their clarity and the playability—it's just. It's also, the the thing class. about them that also is the pitch. Yes, the pitch is just ridiculous. At it's the very, very top fret, you you have a perfectly in tune octave. I love yeah. that. It it kind of sometimes these guitars remind me a little bit of like a very uh, high end expensive car or something and they have to be treated right too you know like you have to be really careful of the humidity you know you have to make sure that especially when you're trying to amplify the guitar on stage that's a very tricky thing uh it can respond quite differently than like an old plywood guitar that can be sometimes more consistent when you're trying to get a live sound yeah and also with recording you actually end up having to tame it because it's so yeah. you know if you play an open chord it's really and you're not hearing that because i only have a direct actually a direct signal going yeah i wanted to actually, ask i can uh, i can about I can the Put, put a mic on it. Yeah, here's, we'd love, love here. to hear that. Yeah, here's a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You can hear the difference. Mm -hmm. I think. Hopefully it's not too low. No, you can definitely hear the difference there. Yeah, I've, I've always loved the way these guitars sound in the studio because you get such a pure mic'd up sound from them. And, and then I feel like that's really where you find their value when you... A B playing like an you know a beautiful trowel like you have with a you know a cheaper more standard guitar uh, you can yeah I mean there's there's once you've once you've played one of these it's really hard to yeah. <laughs> it's hard to go back <laughs> I have some really good guitars other ones that but man there's nothing like the the trowels uh, for pitch and for and for sound and you know um, so they what just, you, what do you do from a live standpoint? Like, how do you get your sound live? Do you just mic it? Are you doing a mic and a DI? What's the... Well, what's, what's honestly, I have to say that I mostly do a DI and I use one of these Aura uh, uh, Fishman uh, pedals. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of uh, adjustment on it. And so you can really... It's kind of a, a DI that's designed for guitar. Okay. Um and I use a very simple Roland reverb pedal. That's it. And so it's it's a it's a it's a it's got knobs on it, so I can you know adjust it on the fly. The uh, Aura has a little bit of a compressor, which I like to sometimes use, especially if I'm hitting the guitar hard. Yep. Um, you want a little bit of compression because you know, or I do anyway. Some people hate it, but oh, I. You I you want just to get a little more control. Yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and that's about it. I mean, I, I have uh, thought about 
trying to do a setup where I mic it and use the aura, but I haven't really done that. It's just, it's, it's, it's easier to just go and put, plug it in. And, and the thing sounds really good. The, those things, and there's all kinds of, you can configure them. Um, there's all kinds of configurations you can do, but it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool thing for acoustic guitars. It really is. And, you know, for years in the new West guitar group, uh, we would all pass around the acoustic. So like I might be playing it on one tune, then I would pass it to John for another tune or to Will for another tune. And so we would all try to get a really consistent sound from it. Uh, and it was challenging because like getting a good live acoustic sound can be yeah. really hard, especially you know if you've got the luthier in the audience. <laughs> and yeah, and miking it is it. unless you have like the same sound man every night that is uh, traveling around with you and knows how to mic it. It's just it's really I I just don't do it because it's <laughs> you know trying to explain yeah. it while you're you know while you've had two hours of sleep and you got off a plane and you're like trying to get the guitar to sound good and they got the sound man that doesn't know what the hell he's doing. You know, it's easier to just plug in the thing. (laughs) And, you know, one of the things that I hear in your playing that really uh, resonates with the way we use acoustic guitar uh, in our band is trying to make it a real percussive force and a driving force. Mm -hmm. Because in our group, we don't have a bassist or a drummer or piano, so everything comes from the guitar. And one of the things I love about your playing is how rhythmic you are, how much you explore like extended techniques with your hands to create some kind of percussion on the guitar. And I was a drummer first. So, ah, okay. you know, and I, I've always, you know, and flamenco is an extremely rhythmic thing. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm also a click. Um, when I'm playing with a band, the first thing I do, the first thing I do when I'm auditioning or when I want to play with somebody, I want to see if they can play to a click. Yeah. Because I, I, I like for especially certain songs, I like them to be at a certain tempo mm-hmm. every night. And so I, uh, when I'm playing in certain situations, I like the, I like to have the click. Because so you, it, you incorporate the metronome in your live shows is what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes. Not all the time, and not for everything. That if I'm playing some kind of a, a more jazzy thing, I, I don't I don't put the click on. Right, but we've tried to do that in New West on a few tunes, and certainly in our recordings, we've uh, incorporated a click. And I remember seeing the great band Steely Dan live uh, yes. some ago at at um, Webster Hall and no, the Beacon Theater in New York. Yeah, and Keith Carlock was playing drums, and between every tune. He was switching over, changing the click, yeah. and and just going for it right on the very tempo. And it reminded me, uh, now it's reminded me of this old story, speaking of Steely Dan, where Peter Erskine, the drummer, used to play with Steely Dan. And apparently one tune, one night, he changed it like two or three BPMs higher. And afterwards, Donald Fagan came to him and said, "Hey, that tune was a little fast." You know, <laughs> the people who write this music, and I'm I'm including you know you in this category, Raul. It's like you want to hear it at 120 at a certain tempo, and you, wanna, you, you don't want to hear it at 122. You and know? you don't trust, and I don't trust myself to count it off at the right tempo either. Right, That's right. the thing, because you know sometimes you know, and then you know when once you counted it off at the wrong tempo, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's really hard to sort, you know, whether it's too fast or too slow. Well, if it's too slow, you're really screwed. But yeah, either way, you know. And so, 
when I'm playing solo, not so much, but when I'm playing with a band, I love having the click because it just it just solidifies everything, and it also then also allows you to have freedom when you're improvising because mm-hmm. you got that solid groove and you can you can you know um, you know play around with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can really trust that groove is going to stay right where you want. And with guitar, you know, technique is is so subtle with the instrument. Every little movement, you know, can change if you're able to play a passage or get the sound that you want. So if the tempo is is moving way up on a tune, you might be screwed when you come back to the melody. I've had this. And I I I have in ear monitors too. I like having, and obviously that's the only way you can play with a click. It's, right, is to have so, the in-ear monitors. Everybody's clicked up, is what you're saying, not just the drummer. Absolutely, I yeah. like it. You know, and sometimes in some tunes, maybe just have the drummer because it, the click can also make it sometimes difficult to play dynamically because you've got you know. I remember, um, I used to play, or sometimes we would play this song, Bonnie's song. And I really wanted people to play it to a click. It's an 11-8. And so it's... Money floats through marshmallow sky. Twilight caresses her face. Gliding above all the where and the why. And the thing is, is that if you have it clicking... Yeah, it can, it can be it can be kind of uh, um, annoying, you know. Yes, God, you may have to think of that in like uh, six and then five or something like that. How well, you- well, you know, everybody has a different. It's funny. I was talking. I, I t- I've talked about this with so many people, and everybody has a different way. So the, <laughs> the the way that I started thinking about it when I wrote the song was one two three four five six one two three four five one two three four five six one two. And then somebody said, Well, I do one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, you know. You could one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, right? Or hippopotamus, hippopotamus one. Hippopotamus, hippopotamus. See, I mean, it's, you know, the thing is, and this is where playing the guitar really comes in, because people say, like, how do you sing and play that at the same time? Actually, even Vinny was like, damn. Well, you know, because Vinny played on the tune originally, Vinny Kaliuta. Who's that? I don't know that guy. <laughs> and, um... For the Congo? You know, <laughs> he, um... I, I, you know, for me, it's a, it's a feeling. Like, once you have that feeling in your hands, then you don't have to think about it anymore. So, you know, so... So, you know, so, uh... See, I mean, I'm not even thinking about yeah, singing, you know, where one is or anything, because I've got the that going in my hands. Right. See what right. I'm saying? No, you're very much like a drummer where you have, like, independence with the different areas of your body, you know, you, like a drummer would with their feet. You can do something with your hands and something different with your voice, and it can all be flowing the way you want. That's brilliant. And it's, it's almost like you're almost kind of on autopilot in terms of your hands because you know you you've done it so much right you know right. and and that's kind of how it has to be if you're going to have that independence at least for me 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, gosh, you're really a master at what you do. Um, you know, I think all our listeners uh, hopefully realize how lucky they are to get some live performances from you here on High Action. You know, Raul, we've interviewed so many great guitar players this season. I mean, everyone from John Schofield to John Pisano, the list goes on and on and on. Um, and very few people have performed live on the show, right? We've only had yeah. a few people... Yeah. Bust out the guitar. I can remember Dave Stryker, Fareed Hawk, mm -hmm. right? and, and Raul. So thank you for that. I'm going to pass it back to Will. I think he may have some more music to share with us. Yeah, Raul, this is so great, man. Um, I wanted to feature a song off of your most recent album, The Mirror. Mm -hmm. um, and did, did you co-write this with uh, Gerald Clayton? Yeah, I sure did. Um, nice. That's, that's, it's, just, it's such a badass it's beautiful, uh, man. And, you know, we we all know Gerald, and I'm, and this is a, a gorgeous song. I just wanted to feature a little bit of it. And I have to say, the music is all I transcribed it. <clears throat> the melody and the music. I wrote the lyrics, and I transcribed it onto guitar, and it was hard. Check it out yeah. if you if you really want to see what how it. It, check out Gerald's version of it. It's on uh, Life Forum, the album Life Forum, mm -hmm. and there's no lyrics. Uh, because it's, uh, I, I, uh, I think, um, what's her name? Um, Gretchen Parlotta uh -huh. is singing yeah. the <clears throat> kind of m m melismatic. You know, uh, to to the piano version of it. So you okay. can see how where if if you want to really and and I transcribed it onto guitar. Um, and, and, and wrote lyrics to it. All right, so here is a little of Deep Dry Ocean. Oh, the thrill of wanting you and I An ocean deep and dry those changes too yeah it's 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 uh <clears throat> it was hard to transcribe yeah. it <laughs> i have to say uh and then to write to, to to write a lyric you know to it it it's not a melody that's easily sung i'll say that 
Right. Well, Raul, do you have any any final parting words for us or our listeners of, you know, things to look out for? Do you have any upcoming projects or upcoming shows that, that you want? Man, to I'm working on a... I'm, I'm, I can't believe I almost forgot about this on this. I'm working on a guitar album. Great. On, only guitar. We love guitar. Yeah. And I'm doing... It's duos. A lot of duos. I've got a duo with Romero Lubombo. All original music. I have a duo with Jonathan Kreisberg. Nice. I have a duo with Marvin Sewell. Yeah. I have a duo with Lionel Lewecki. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, I have a duo with uh, a young um, guitar player from a pop group from uh, Balin, Julia, Mm -hmm. who who sent me this tune. It's the only tune that I didn't write on, on on the record. Um, I have a tune with a, a, a duo with a friend of mine from Miami, um, who's a great, uh, electric guitar player as well. And it's all guitar, all except for the one uh, thing, all original music, all Wonderful. instrumental. So that's in the process of being recorded right now. Yeah. Great. Yep. Man. Well, Raul, it's been such a pleasure. We want to thank you for your time and, you know, thank you for the music and the inspiration, um, you know, please, please keep doing it, and I really hope to see you uh, hopefully in LA soon. You know, yeah, I'd like to uh, like to come back. I, I, uh, we'll see what uh, where we can uh, make it happen. Thanks again for joining us for another exciting edition of High Action. We'd like to take this moment to thank our sponsors for making this podcast possible, especially those who follow us on Patreon. If you'd like to join us, visit us at www.patreon.com slash newwestguitargroup. There you can subscribe monthly to our Patreon page and get exclusive content from today's podcast. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts for all the future episodes. Once again, I'm John Story with New West Guitar Group, and thanks for joining us on High Action.